0: My name is Taimur Azhari, I'm a Beirut-based journalist. For a generation of people, a post-war generation in Lebanon, uh, it is a moment like no other. Looking back, it feels like things have been building up to this for a long time. There were protests, you know, almost a decade ago in 2011 uh, against sectarianism. We we had 2015 the garbage crisis protests uh, and, and now we have this. It's a massive force um that i'm not sure has mobilized yet entirely into a shift from one thing to another mm. i think we're sort of in that between phase in mm-hmm. between two worlds if you will and generally i mean we're in, you know 2019 was sort of the year of protests uh, you know hong kong chile right. uh, you know you know the climate you know climate revolution you know the climate protests around the world mm-hmm. uh, so people are fed up globally and people are fed up in this region uh you know in, in this part of the world it really is um, you know sectarianism uh corruption and these things but i think the uniting factor uh and it's nice to talk about un- uniting factors is this anti uh, this, this this sentiment of you know we're we're anti this runaway capitalism that that really has been you know enforced uh, around the world uh, and And it has its own nekha in in Lebanon and Iraq, you know its own taste uh, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. the sectarian kind of nepotism that we're used to mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah I mean i, I you know so, so that's a uniting factor uh, but i I really do think it's a substantial moment uh, and as you know people much smarter than me have said uh, you know, there is uh, there is a confrontation happening now between what what some would say are regressive forces. Uh, or conservative forces and revolutionary forces in the region.
1: You know, I like that you're able to get the global picture and really explain the linking factor between all that's been happening mm. and from your own experience, zeroing in on the ground and able to see protester and hear chants and hear a multitude of different perspectives on what's happening. In your own coverage in the last few months... In the case of Lebanon in particular, Mm. do you sense that for the Lebanese, that they see it this way, that they're part of a global shift, a global change, a uh, way you're describing which is a unifying factor, an uprising for many different reasons, or is it a particularly Lebanese experience that the tipping point was crossed Mm. on October 17 for Lebanese issues? primarily you know the revolution or the uprising or, or whatever you want to call it
0: uh, began i think very much for lebanese reasons uh, but as as it took place you know protests in iraq had already been going for two and a half weeks right hong kong had been going for months yeah uh, and i think it's just natural in the globalized world that we live in today and with twitter with, with the internet that uh you know things like strategy like tactics yeah. will sort of you know go via osmosis between these different countries yeah so we're seeing I mean now recently we're seeing increased use of like laser pointers for example to disorient security forces which we saw really uh, used massively in in Hong Kong yeah. right. um, we've seen umbrellas which were also massively used in Hong Kong yes. and and actually uh, there there was a reddit thread uh, posted uh, basically I think it was Lebanese protesters asking Hong Kong Hong Kongers for advice well, and they responded and basically like were, gave you know their their experience basically don't stay in one place for too long Mm. umbrellas are good against rubber bullets and against tear gas canisters but bring many because they're going to get torn up you know and and so there there is a and there's been a lot of graffiti around the city uh, written in spanish uh, written in in mandarin Mm. um that basically are sort of like you know this like salute to the protests mm-hmm, in other mm-hmm. part of the world. So it's, it's helpful, I think, to the, the uprising here in a propaganda sense, if you want to s- say it that way, this international sort of solidarity, sort of feeling that we're part of something bigger right, than what's just right. here. But at the same time, it's very Lebanese. I mean, the demands are, are very specific to Lebanon, mm-hmm. because it's really this particular, this sort of very specific situation where it's so clear cut, Because there is a political class who really have just been in power for at least 30 years, you know, if we're not counting the time during the civil war as well. And so people can really like, it's the situation where it's like, we've we've tried you for 30 years, 30 years, you know, and 30 years sort of has a weight to it. It's not like a government of five years, you know, or a president of six year term. It's
1: 30 years of rule. You don't put Lebanon in a special case scenario, which I think is good because we're, Oftentimes I find that we think we are the center of the universe. But oh yeah, clearly, for sure. I mean, that's, yeah. what,
0: like, uh, that's what so many people think. Gibran Bassil, who's was in the news them. again <laughs> now, uh, so he was on CNN and, uh, a while back, a year ago actually, mm-hmm. at Davos, and he was basically saying that, I don't think it's in the world's interest to let Lebanon fall apart, because if Lebanon falls apart, then the world falls apart. Incredibly self-centered uh, uh, image of Lebanon yeah. as as somehow this yeah this uh, this chosen land. Right. I mean you know there's uh, which which really uh, I mean yeah it's 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 quite incredible. And so no I mean I don't I, I mean if if we've learned anything over the past three months it's that this idea of the Lebanese miracle is bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and the idea that we had this banking system and this central bank governor who's you know, name, Salem is. you know, somehow it sort of gives this, this feeling of everything will be okay, you know, and it was almost <laughs> like a movie, people <laughs> made it, uh, made it uh, out to be more than it actually was, and it turned out it was, you know, yeah. uh, basically uh, just, uh, I mean, a, a lie in a sense, I mean, it, it's not like we were, a, we were a miracle, we were a myth, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and now the myth is sort of uh, really being revealed.
1: Protesters still demonstrating in downtown, despite the rain, despite mm. the weather, and despite low-level violence, mm. despite rubber bullets, despite tear gas. You still have people demanding that the, and I, I don't want to, demanding that what we call the regime, whatever mm. this thing is, this yep. thing that emerged after the civil war, should fall. Yeah. In your, in your coverage, do you sense that the average protester today still yearns for what they? Initially set out for on October 17, which was overthrowing the system, or do you sense that today there is a it's evolved into something perhaps more powerful, but also potentially more dangerous? Mm. And I'm not talking which would be what in, I'm not talking in the Lebanese folklore that the civil war is the bullet. Right. More that uh, certain that in unf- a, a yet to be seen low-level violence and a regime that is mm. perhaps fighting for its survival and that may usher in a, a sort of low-level chaos and uncertainty mm. in other words our are, are protesters do you think they're still demanding the same things that they wanted the system to go or has it narrowed down into a we're now challenging internal securities Mm. Methods for pushing back against us mm. i I definitely think without a doubt that
0: people's ideals are still intact. Mm-hmm. the ideal of we want it all to go, that was the explosion on October 17th. Mm-hmm. It was just mm-hmm. the you know across the country you yeah. know it's really incredible. I mean it's been more than three months now and, and some you know you can forget that the feeling of those first days yeah. but there was nothing like it. Uh, yeah. and and uh, the the immense weight of those days I mean reverberated for weeks you know again and many politicians weren't on TV screens for weeks That's the true. people had taken everything over yeah. uh, and it was almost as if there was no place for politicians anymore for these politicians it was just so clear in that moment what the what the problem was and the problem is them Mm -hmm. and you know and there was this chant of and something I mean you know is something
1: powerful it is a magical statement yeah yeah exactly all of you across the board and
0: and and uh, so so there I, I think the ideals are still there now, people, I mean, you have to get into the nitty-gritty of things, and I think that's what people are, are you know, realizing more and more and maybe getting more, getting better at dealing with. Mm-hmm. Because in the beginning, it was sort of like, we're a leaderless movement, we want them all to go, yalla, okay? That didn't happen, you know, yeah. and that's really difficult to happen. So yeah. then it became, okay, like, what are our demands? Okay, government of technocrats, Keza, right. who who maybe now I think we're having the conversation of who maybe could represent us. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. uh, there's, there's people, because people have emerged like Milham Khala, the head of the Bar Association, you know, who has been standing up for for the, the rights of protesters. Uh, you know, people like this who I think that most most protesters would agree. Hey, these are people who actually, in the future, we could mm. have represent. So there's there's a maturing sort of going on. At the same time, uh, would you consider it, like it, a
1: political maturing? Like a, in, in other words, the, be, the, the beginnings it's, of yeah, what it's could the be, beginnings yeah. of
0: something of it turning into a political movement. Uh-huh. You yeah. know, I, I think that's what we're seeing, and we already we've already had this early on with like uh, very early in the protest movement, we had like a flourishing of uh, independent syndicates. Yeah, uh, you know, we had, yes. uh, the the, for example, me as a journalist, what concerns me is, you know, the journalism syndicate here is basically beholden to power, does nothing. Um, and so journalists created a, a new syndicate, which I'm a part
1: of, Badila, you know, and it's, I actually attended a great yeah. talk. I think it was Megaphone, Photo, hmm. Beirut Today, hmm. and Lebne and Facts. Okay. Yeah. The social media, uh, yeah. uh, ecosphere, uh, elaborating on that issue which is there's no there's no other way around it you have to create an alternative syndicate.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so so that's that's a way you can sort of uh, that was sort of a preliminary method of sort of turning things into a bit of a political movement because mm. you know syndicates kind of dabble in politics right. and organizing right. and that yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so that that's important. And I think I think slowly things are maturing a bit. Things are I think are also different on the streets. So one of the remarks I, I, I have from maybe the last couple of days is that uh, Early on in, in the in the movement, it really was this Kilonyani Kilon thing. But mm-hmm. what what where there was most pushback on that was was when it came to the Hezbollah leader, you know Hassan Nasrallah. Right. Uh, and and so there was a lot of fighting between protesters and and supporters of Amal and Hezbollah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, while I, I I think it was important that that Kilonyani Kilon included uh, all of these people, mm. but I think now protesters have uh, have sort of realized that. Listen, if we have some of the people on our side who support Mm. Nasrallah, Mm. but they broadly support all of our demands Mm. for, you know, change, Mm. maybe it makes sense not to directly put our finger in their wound, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in Hamra, uh, we've the seen... Yeah, those, so we've yeah. we've seen basically people who are supporters of... And this is not just talk. I mean, people have found pictures of those, you know, some of the people who were in Hamel at night, uh, you know, who were p- perhaps at the ring, uh, at, you know, counter-demonstrating uh, against protesters there. I think on TV
1: but, also they were happy to say... Exactly, there, yeah. There there were,
0: of, there were, exactly, there were chants in support of Nasrallah. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think that it's, it's an interesting time because... We have seen in the past couple of days. Uh, I think because conditions are deteriorating so much and people are so fed up, I think we have seen a return of some people who had initially gone down, then went back across the line, and and maybe now are teetering back towards the streets again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it would be it'll be interesting what the reception of protesters is. Mm-hmm. The yeah. other uh, uh, just uh, sort of remark I have about the the last couple of days is uh, is about the peaceful protest aspect. I, yeah. I think the Lebanese uprising up till maybe last weekend, I mean, I don't know of any other uprising that was as peaceful as what we've seen in this country. I really don't know of any other uprising. Um, and we've seen tremors of, of what was coming before. We have seen things get violent before. Um, but but I think that uh, as the, you know, and it's not me; it's the, the UN. Uh, uh, you know, the UN representative in Lebanon who yeah. said that politicians are the ones to yeah. blame. And I think it's clear because three months, you know, three months of being in the street uh, without demands met will make people frustrated. And what's happening now, which is very interesting, is in Lebanon there's a lot of reverence for security forces, but increasingly, I think that that's melting away. Mm-hmm. I think that people are are more and more. Uh, I mean, because it's it's very simple. It's you're in the you're in the square. You're frustrated, mm-hmm. and you're frustrated with the state. Yeah. And what is the biggest representative of the state in that square? It's the security sure. forces. I mean, yeah. protesters in Nizmi, you know, who were the, the the scene of clashes the past yeah. few days. Yeah. Their goal stated goal is to get to parliament, right? right? Symbolic, right. you know, it's our parliament. Yeah. Uh, we you know we want to basically rid the the people and we rid ourselves of the people in the parliament. Mm-hmm. They're blocked by security forces, and and more and more they're seeing the security forces as. Uh, as they would describe it, as many people have said, as chants have uh, you know proclaimed Kleb yeah. you know the dogs of the state right. who they unleash on us to beat us yeah. and and so uh, I think that's that 's a very important sort of shift that 's happening of this reverence for security forces and sort of respect for security forces, i think is uh, becoming very diluted, especially in the past couple of days, with what with the violence we've seen. Right. I mean, headshots uh, from rubber bullets and tear gas canisters, yeah. disfiguring injuries that we haven't seen in Lebanon yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. five hundred forty injuries over the weekend. Yeah, which is which is a staggering yeah. number, given yeah. that there were very few injuries in the first few months. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, one protester died. In the last three and a half months, and not not in one of the protests. Yeah. So that is in itself a a remarkable accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. And we look to the region, and I mean, it's an easy comparison. In Iraq, five hundred have died so far. Yeah. Five hundred only in Iraq. I thought I thought it was much more. In the protests,
0: it's five hundred. Yeah.
1: But even then. Yeah. And then Iran, we don't know. Could be thousands. Yeah. Uh, That I mean, there's there's a huge difference between what's happening here and there. Of course. In terms of the violence factor. Yeah. But I I. I want to ask you just about mm. the, these targeted attacks, mm. whether it's against banks out of frustration. And, you, yeah. and what you're saying is I think it's maybe too early to tell mm. whether or not the sort of unifying factor between pro-Berri, pro hassan Nasrullah protesters coming yeah. back and sharing grievances and the protesters' reaction to that. Yeah. But that kind of violence, that kind of escalation... D- d- not in terms of the youth, not in terms of the people on the ground, I'm talking about the average Lebanese today that initially supported the revolution, the revolt, whatever, and is now maybe looking at those images and Mm. saying, it's not for me. Mm. Is there any risk in the momentum diminishing due to that kind of tactic? I know, I mean, this is like, Mm. you're covering it. I don't mean Mm. that you're literally there, sort of, uh, just from your angle, looking at it, do you sense that there's, Hesitation.
0: I think that this is one of the important questions. And so my answer is, I think that around the country now, it's being debated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my anecdotal evidence for this is today I was just having lunch in Badaro. Yeah. Table next to me, a young guy who's gone out uh, for lunch with his grandparents. Mm-hmm. Like They're old people, yeah, yeah. very old people. And they're just talking about it. They're talking about it, and, the I, and I, I hear best conversations w- over here. Yeah, what yeah. what caught my ear was yeah. "ana mish ma best. Uh-huh. You know, and that's sort of, so. I'm not with the destruction, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and and that's what you're hearing a lot of now. And I mean, I've I've heard it on TV. I'm seeing it on Twitter. It's it's this is the question now that's yeah. being posed, and I feel like we're having a shift now. I think that uh, the, you know, the, the insistence on the peacefulness of the protests in the beginning uh, might be changing a bit. Although I will, I will note that the first two days of the uprising had a certain amount of violence and destruction. That is true. And, and what I noticed uh, from those days is that there was a place for everyone. Mm. And that's what I'm seeing now again. So it's basically mm-hmm. those who want to destroy and burn and smash banks and smash windows and set fires, they do that. Right. Uh, and those who don't, go somewhere else and protest, you know, or right. protest not at the front lines. And yes. it's sort of, I think, and I think this is important because a lot of people uh, have remarked about attempts to sort of to, uh, to uh, what, what is it? To, uh, Sort of uh, tame the protests in uh-huh. a way, or to yeah. to uh, man, like to instill manners in the protest movement. You know, in the beginning, it was there was a lot of chants with yeah. profanities, and still you hear them. Sure. And, and so the the radical, explosive energy of those first few days with yeah. the violence right. became diluted afterwards uh, a little bit. A lot of that uh, went away, and that's come back to the fore again. And right. I think that it's it's sort of. Uh, interesting in the sense that, yes, I'm I'm sure it will turn some people away, Mm. but for many people, I think they're sort of on the fence or they will still be down and they will coexist with that kind of behavior because Mm -hmm. they see it as like a natural, just a natural, uh, you know, outlet of the anger that's pent up. I mean, it's it's almost, it's like a sort of justified violence in the eyes of many.
1: And in a way, you're actually, you're going a step further between the initial uh, uh, dichotomy between... Uh, resistance and revolution mm. in a way you're offering a sort of yes. blending of sorts. Exactly.
0: exactly. The interesting part of this revolution versus resistance is the middle ground in between, right. and the the movement of people in between that. And can you do? Can you be both? Right. You know, like, and this is the question of can we have people who support Nasrallah but would admit that Hezbollah has some corruption issues, uh-huh. and all of them need to change. You know, can that? Where does that guy fit in? Right. And can he fit in? Right. And is the revolution side? Exclu- be, try being too exclusive, you know, or is it, mm-hmm. I mean, you can obviously have the ideals. And I think that's what's clear now is the ideals are firm. Nobody, you, if someone asks you today, like, what is the, what are the demands of this protest movement? No one can bullshit. It's clear. Okay. It's been said hundreds and hundreds and thousands of times, and everybody knows it. Kill yeah. yani is number one. Yeah. And then it's, you know, accountability, early elections, everybody knows this, now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so it, I don't think it's, important any longer to hold everybody in the street to that ideal.
1: Mm. It's mm. sort of
0: like by virtue of being in the street, you're kind of like pushing for that anyway, you know, like it's, right. it, and, and I think that that gray area is useful, especially for people who have lived their whole lives, believing something, being taught something, uh, and, and are now like, you know, seeing something completely different. And and that's a process.
1: But there's no, also no. a, I mean, it's a, it's a cautious, admittance that mm-hmm. it's not necessarily in, in that world, if I'm understanding right, that there's some yeah. nuance to the phrase.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, but like you, it's kill yani killon is the ideal, uh-huh. and I think that's the front, and nobody will question that. But it's like if I—I'll give you an example, maybe to prove my point. Like, w- so w- when I was uh, when there was the clashes happening uh, between protesters and Harikat Amal and Hezbollah supporters by the ring, uh, there so this was is now going back. A, this is going back a, like yeah, like more than a month. More than yeah, more yeah, than yeah, a right, month. Yeah. It was the, the night of like the biggest clashes. Yeah. Uh, I was like interviewing protesters on one side, and we were talking about this issue. And this guy remarked to me. He's like, listen, like, I don't want Lebanese forces people like to be with us. Okay. Like, I, like, I hate Samir Jaja, Kill on, kill but,
1: this <laughs> they, but I but it's, it's like a but <laughs> if Amal
0: and Hezbollah are attacking me, then I am really thankful for the Uwet, uwet guy protecting me. You know, mm. and it's sort of that. It's like mm. there mm. has to be pragmatism because, it, and this is maybe like the movement towards the politics. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's sort of accepting like, hey, okay, like we have our ideals, but let's yeah. make things work. Like, let's if right. we can bring in people, if we can maybe build coalitions with people in mm. a way mm. um, without you know compromising our ideals, right? maintaining those ideals but at least offering a little bit of give yeah uh, then we can you know because this rigid sort of i think maybe this rigid sort of insistence of like no you have to you know you can't have ever you know you kind of ever been supporter of another party or blah, blah, blah that won't work you know you, you the, the i think people realize that you need to bring
1: people across the line so it's and almost like old party supporters that are letting go a bit of their mm. allegiances and mm in a way offering a bit in order to get some in return. It's yeah. almost like a politics on the street, in a sense. Yeah, or shifting yeah, politics yeah. very
0: quickly. It's definitely a shift in politics yeah. because the, the, the revolution is a new space. There's a new revolutionary reality, okay? And, it's, and basically the revolution is now a political space, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And it's something that parties have to deal with, you know, yeah. from the top to the bottom levels. Yeah. Before it was rigid. If you're a Christian in Lebanon, you have the choice of being with the FPM, the Kata'eb, or the LF, right. or... You, or you can choose politics. not to support any, yeah. but you didn't really have another thing, you know. Now you have the revolution, and while the revolution isn't a political movement yet, it is a it is a space that occupies, you know, uh, a, a huge chunk of the discourse and yes. just the, the current current life in Lebanon. Right. And so, I think
1: that's, yeah, it's it's sort of,
0: the I, I, I
1: don't know. It's no, dynamic. No. It's and dynamic, it, yeah. exactly. And it actually, exactly. in a way, it is fluid the way the whole movement has been fluid. It's leaderless, yeah. it's people on the streets. Uh, in a way, quickly catching up to, I think, what is still a an evolving story. Yeah, um, I will only add one thing that you mm. were describing two moments, and I it resonates with me. Mm. Go ahead. Man. The uh, month and a half ago, two months, the tear gas on the ring and the yeah. pushback, and yeah. it was. I mean, it was a very long night. I think every image I saw and every comment was yours on Twitter. So okay. I, I mean. Literally, listening to the story, mm. at times getting close to it, coming back, mm. at three in the morning, on my phone, Twitter, refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Right,
0: lots of tear gas being used, lots of tear gas being used by the army. how uh, they have just the for us? move away away from
1: here ah. in my mind the motive is to go back the next day mm. keep the protest alive right. and that to me I think is very clear it's supporting the supporting the moment the banks uh, the Molotov cocktails against the banks yeah. that to me does not encourage me to join in. Right. And I say this yes. as someone who supports yeah. the street and this supports the protests. Right. It's not like um, but there's a hesitation. Yeah. And I don't think it's just age. And I don't think yeah. it's just memories of the civil war. I think it's right. Genuine hesitations in in a subjective way, it's not something I would want to see. Yeah. It doesn't mean it shouldn't happen. Right, right. But it, there is there is pause. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe that's the debate you're talking about, which is sort of uh, The guy and his grandparents saying, I'm against the, whatever, the damage, but... Yeah. And that is, actually, that is maybe one way of looking at it. It's it's caution. Extreme caution. It's caution,
0: and it's also just like, it's sort of like, I mean, what are we going to do? You know, like, it's, it's like some people just are, are going to do that. You have radical elements in movements, you yeah. know, and you have people who are centrists yeah. sort of in in yeah. their, in their approach to it. And then you have people who are much more Absolutely. radical. Yeah. I mean, on the issue of the banks and the destruction of the banks, I, I totally understand it. And I totally uh, get the, uh, you know, the reason people are so frustrated. I mean, we all, I mean, I yeah. can't withdraw more than $200 from a bank. You know, right. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, and we've we've um, been to banks we know what the scene is
1: like yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. but
0: uh, but what I think uh, is worth noting is that I feel like there is a push among some people uh, and actually among politicians on the whole really to sort of push the issue on the banks and be like, mm. it's the banks, you know, who have done this. Right. I mean, yeah, because right. right now it's sort of like the banks are bearing the brunt of it and they should be criticized. They mm. should face accountability. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The two biggest banks in the country made a billion dollars in profits last year. A billion dollars. Uh, this is uh, really? Blom and I think Bank Audi. Those, those two alone made a billion dollars, each fi- around $500 million in profits. In 2019? In 2000, sorry, 2018. Okay. Yeah, 2018. Uh, 2019 very similar as well.
1: I'm uh, surprised about
0: that. Yeah. So the, you're talking. So they've. I mean, it's it's clear that the banks and uh, and bankers have you know made a killing off mm. of these policies. But they are policies. You know, and policies are crafted by the state. And this is what people shouldn't forget. The people who are destroying the banks. And I don't think this is that that we're, uh, uh, You know, uh, I don't think we have to be scared of, that people will forget about this. But I just think that it's very easy for many politicians uh, to just kind of let the banks mm. be sort of the, the face of it and, and get hit right. um, while there's uh, I mean I think the, the brunt of the, the anger uh, deserves to be vented towards politicians yeah. I'm just going to yeah. add here because I think there's just it's an aside but it's I think it's an interesting conversation of like being a journalist but also seeming to have opinions mm. and it's I've had many conversations throughout the revolution because it's it's sort of the uprising whatever you want to call it uh, yeah, by about, the way we should get back to that because I think that's uprising it, and revolution what, I mean yeah very quickly, I mean, I think the best answer <laughs> I've heard is that, uh, and this was Jim Quilty at the Daily Star. He basically told me, "I think the word revolution should be left to historians." Yes, yeah. um, and I, yeah. I was like, "Meh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, fair, fair enough. enough." But so this idea of being a journalist and having like opinions, I just think that there are certain things that uh, that are clear in Lebanon, and mm-hmm. I think that if you're objective to mm-hmm. any degree. Mm-hmm you will accept that there have been people in power for at least 30 years who have failed miserably at providing any of the things that a state should provide, right? That's a fact. Uh, And so based on that fact, the clear, you know, just a clear idea pops up, which is there needs to be change, right? There needs to be change, huge change. uh, And these people have failed miserably. And so, I think that, as a journalist reporting on this that's always been my g- sort of guiding philosophy behind this when I mm. people people maybe can be critical and say like oh you're you're a bit too supportive of this movement you know okay. I would just say that like we've tried thirty years of yeah. something and it hasn't worked, and I think if you're objective you will you will see that and yeah, realize yeah. that we need change now then, when we get to specifics, of course I, I really try to you know maintain Objective is an ideal that you can't, you can never be completely objective, objective. but you you really try. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's just a
1: comment I have because. But I, I think, I think, it's, worth, think it's, it's worth it's saying yeah. because I think yeah. I, I I don't want to speak on your behalf. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the other side, the status quo. Has had a long time to explain their position. Yeah. So I think, in a way, an objective take would be: let's hear the other side. For right. the you know, right. they, they deserve exactly. a voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
0: They deserve a voice, and the people in power have failed. They have failed miserably. Yeah. They have failed, and they're corrupt. I mean, by, yeah. by by again, by all standards, you know, and they've mismanaged, and they're sectarian, you know, and and so it's just. Uh,
1: I think that's clear. So you have, I'm guessing, relied on social media for the most part in delivering mm-hmm. your. Your coverage. That you. I'm assuming yes. m- most of your output has been through your phone. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, so basically, the kind of the way it just organically took place is that when something is happening on the streets, I'm on the streets reporting on it. You know, uh, on, mm-hmm. on Twitter, basically taking videos. Uh, more recently, doing lives uh, live sort of, uh, broadcasts and mm-hmm. just like writing quick things, something that you pointed out to me, sort of just like basically what I try to do is news and context, right? Uh, you know, yeah. so just like one line of what's the news and then context. So, you know, the, this and this happened today. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then say, this is the sixth time in X, Y, Z that this happens
1: right. because, uh, but I think that kind of yeah. instant coverage mm. is so rewarding to the consumer. Mm. Because we no longer need to make the effort. To read an, a full article. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. I mean, although I think there is a definite negative to the story. Here, yeah. And yeah. I think you, maybe you know that uh, yourself. Yeah. I don't know if I actually managed to read a full article. Okay. the last three and a half months. Yeah. But, yeah. I do, but I do know that I've read these quick posts. Right. I've watched videos. Megaphone, I think, has been a daily, maybe hourly sort of uh, digest. Oh, I know people at Megaphone. They've been working so hard, and, and they produce very. Uh, you know, it's it's actually it's so easy to just catch up if you've been yeah. off the grid for a few hours. You just go to Megaphone. Mm. But all that said, is there any is there any hesitation on your side that people are perhaps not getting a not having enough time to actually process what's going on. Mm. Because it's so fast, because it's so the attention span is so small, that there's a level of, not hysteria, because I think that's unfair. Yeah. I think we're better than that. It's not hysteria, but it's... There's an entertainment component, maybe, and it's like, uh, it's almost, we can't decipher what is junk from what is actually mm. somebody doing their job. What I mean is, I've seen a lot of trash. <laughs> okay. And I've seen a lot of what looks like forged videos and and fake photos and perhaps accusations that run dry. Mm. And I think I've over time learned how to kind of gauge that, Mm. but at the beginning it was hard to tell. Mm. It was really hard to tell what is happening, what isn't happening. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think that our, what's been really interesting from a, like a journalism standpoint is uh, there are people, just the media literacy among people in general, yeah. I think has skyrocketed. Mm. I mean, now just on, on any WhatsApp group, you know, with people who are, yeah. because before there were many people who were super apolitical, right? And yeah. what, what, the, what this uprising has done is it's politicized really just, you know, so many people, right. um, brought them into politics, introduced them to politics for a first, for the mm. first time. It's made politics no longer like a dirty word, you know, in Lebanon right, was a yeah, dirty word. Now politics, yeah. like people are realizing, like, no, no, like yeah. politics is like life and we should be interested. Yeah. So yeah, I mean there's, but, but I think, I think people are very good at, uh, have become very good at uh, sort of, very quickly, especially online, pointing out things that are fake. Yeah, um, and that's a lot helped a lot by like groups of like journalists, activists, people who pass mm. around things mm. before posting it. So I'm like in some of these groups, and you know you'll have like dozens of people there. Yeah. And basically, they'll post something like, "I just saw this online. Is this true?" Blah blah blah. No, it's not true. Okay, let's all say that this is not true, you oh, know, so,
1: so there's an editing process within the group. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Even on social yeah. media,
0: which is interesting because you mm. might assume that social media is just as like, Hey, this happened. Boom. Yeah. You, what's very important is to take that 30 seconds, you know, take that minute, just, you know, I mean, a lot of the time, like that's the process for me is like something's happening on the street and I'll like write out my tweet and I'm sure that I know the context, but I'll I'll Google because it's important. Like a tweet now is, is as important. You know, it's, you have to be as correct as in in an article or anything else. That's, that's uh, maybe the good thing about, you know, I, I mean I think killu became
1: el bad like you know all of it everything is sort of. Uh, but did you run into any any important? any cautionary tales with at least at least WhatsApp? Because I think yeah my experience with WhatsApp that's where most of the unreliable. Honestly, was. like
0: I do not. So everyone always talks about like these messages passed around WhatsApp. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, is with me that nobody ever sends me those messages. <laughs> so I never get those messages of like, oh, be careful. There's like a
1: blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. Like a, that's, I mean, that's, where, that's what WhatsApp is. Yeah. It's, 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 there's very little, well, from my experience, I think I, it's, it's hard to tell. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the trust factor comes with names and familiarity. Twitter, if I see if I read something that I know the name already, mm-hmm. I can then quickly yes. assume that that's probably correct. But WhatsApp, is just the jungle.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, mean, yeah, I wouldn't use WhatsApp as a news source on this. Okay, so you, yeah.
1: you, so you. Okay, so yeah, there are in a way, a
0: there is a boundary. It's yeah. WhatsApp is like, oh, someone sends me information that I need to verify. You know, like right. unless it's like a link right. to like the BBC or mm-hmm. you know something.
1: But you, uh, you, you, you as a journalist, mm-hmm. you take it upon yourself to do that. Yeah, I mean, do, when do you, yeah. Yeah, but let's say the average protester who may be yeah. on one of these groups. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're able to quickly decipher the way you do, which is, I, I can't trust that. I, think, like, people I think people have gotten better at it. I think people have gotten better at
0: it. Still, mm. you know, you, people will you know make mistakes, but, yeah. but I, I really, really think people have gotten better at that. I mean, just the conversations that we have that we see mm. on Twitter now. Uh, again, it's all anecdotal evidence, but the, the quality of, of the con- conversation on Twitter just seems much more focused, much more like... Uh, you know stuff about economy especially mm-hmm. that that 's just like taken so much space um and and so so yeah i think it's uh, i think people people have become better i think it 's a really good moment for journalism uh and and reporting mm-hmm. and, and like information in general like yeah. this uprising because it's uh, it 's making people value uh you know reputable. Resources, reputable organizations, reputable, yes. you know, journalists, and okay. and, and, and yeah, well, and, and and also shame those who are you know, you know, doing misinformation.
1: Well, okay, that's good to hear. Yes. Actually, I, I, okay. but the reason I brought up social media is because I know that I know your name from the Daily Star. Right. I don't know it from social. Right, media. Right, I discovered yeah. you through the Daily Star, and then yeah. went to your social yeah, media, yeah. and then I mean, kind of discovered that you left Daily Star. Uh, through social media. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but, Interesting shit. Yeah, it's all <laughs> yeah. But mm. survivability of a traditional newspaper. Mm. Daily Star is fairly small, mm. but we can go anywhere. We can go to Nahud, we can go to any newspaper that's been around for a long time. Mm. Do you see social media as sort of phasing that industry out that people are less and less inclined now to purchase an article or subscribe it's or It's had
0: an effect for sure. Mm.
1: I think now what's happening
0: is again people are sort of learning and and working to basically have social media and traditional more traditional forms of journalism kind of. Uh, complete each other Mm. and and there's certain publications who are doing that increasingly well Mm. you know and that's where this whole thing like thing comes in with like five free articles a month and, right. you know, and so, and, and you, 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 lure readers in and you really make it convenient and easy and you give them great content and then, you know, they, they'll, they'll feel yes. ashamed not to subscribe to you. That's really where you want to get. So you know? guilt. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's not guilt, but it's just like you're providing, yeah. it's like the, you 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 know, people here like pay for electricity, water yeah. generator, blah, blah, blah man, $12 for your subscription to or, you know, whoever, like is not going to push you over the edge. You know, I think that that, that's, that's an important thing to realize. It's like you want independent journalism. Yes. It has to be funded. Okay. Right. And if it's funded by politicians, it's not independent. Mm. Foundations and stuff is always weird. Maybe you can get yourself a, a, you know, hundreds of billionaire like Jeff Bezos to run the Washington Post for you. Right. But the other way is to have your readers pay for it, and and I think that that I mean. That again, that that is that around the world, that model is becoming more successful. Increasingly, publications are making it work. Mm -hmm. I know that L'Orient-Le Jour and here in Lebanon, for example, is doing very well with that model now. Uh, It's actually working for them. So the Daily Star is not doing well with that
1: model. Oh, okay. know. So I see. So it's working for that's interesting. It's working for one and not the other. Yeah, because the Daily
0: Star doesn't do it smart. Uh, The Daily Uh Star's process, and this is not like a disgruntled employee. Uh, You can ask any current employee, Hmm. and they'll they'll tell you about the subscription system. We basically have an old website that doesn't Mm. work properly. Like if you want to subscribe, chances are you'll end up calling the IT guy or throwing up your hands in frustration and not doing it. Um, and we don't do, we don't do five free articles, you know, you're slammed right into the paywall. So there's, there's, it's not done in a way that coaxes you and Uh sort of brings you in and and you need that. You need that. Do you need marketing? I mean, honestly, you need, you need to market something well. And so other publications are doing that more successfully.
1: Now it's a bit of a sensitive subject, and yeah. I don't want you to. I mean, as as much as you'd like to say on the issue, yeah. in the middle of all this chaos and yeah. and, and all that's been happening, yeah. uh, it's almost like a if you could see like a, a tree that this is sort of a just a branch that dangles a bit. Mm. The other one is Carlos Wilson. He's just an oddball <laughs> that returned. But there's these interesting side stories. And one of them right. is the drama within Daily Star. Yeah. Now, maybe that wasn't covered as much as Carlos Cousin, yeah. But in terms of social media and among journalists, I think it was, it was a story for a few days. Yeah. From, from your side, do you sense that the same reason somebody would strike, let's say, against whether it's the Daily Star or any company, uh, wanting, their pay, wanting their pay on time? Yeah. I mean, that's a very basic demand. It's not, For a, sure. it's not a sort of complicated yeah. issue. But is there any sort of broader problem here in terms of just... I know that Saad Hadidi was the most visible target in mm. this revolt in this right. and this uprising. He was the weakest link. The weakest link. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Right. And he was... He may have stuck around a little too long, mm. but eventually he resigned. Yeah. And Daily Star is at least... I mean, he's in the system, right? And I think he maybe is its life support, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I don't know if that's still the case, but he—it's—it's it's very murky who exactly
0: funds it, but it's owned by Hadidi and or the Hadidi family, and right, and
1: completely owned by them. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's let's assume that they have the they they can support it more if they chose to. Yeah. I uh, there's something I thought that was a little it was more more interesting than Saad Hadidi himself, mm. which is that. He carries a lot of the burden in this country, and yes. it's interesting because a lot of it is true. A lot of it yes. is fact factual critique. Is he a victim to the same economic woe that, in other words, are we looking to him to do a better job, and that's he just fails at it, mm. or is he actually literally unable to deliver? And he is crashing with the economy. At this point, we can paint sort of an image of Hariri. And
0: I think the image of, I think the kind of person Hariri is, which is, or, or was before he tried uh, his, you know, this, this long stint in politics, uh, mm. he, you know, he wasn't a guy who was groomed for leadership in any mm-hmm. kind of way. And he mm-hmm. sort of found himself in this role. It was awkward from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, he tried it for a bit and then left for five years. Uh, yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah. he tried it for a bit, and, and, and failed, or was made yeah. to fail by yeah. other people. Yeah. Came back, you know, did the settlement with Michel Aoun now four years ago, uh, and from the get go, that proved again to be just failing. Yeah. He and he became uh, the basically the the front. Yeah. For a, a a a government that was failing in every way, and he became a front for uh, you know Hezbollah yes. uh, and the, and the FPM. Yeah. And the biggest the biggest evidence of this is the fact that now after the government resigned. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted Hariri uh, more than Hezbollah and Amal. Actually, they were yeah. the biggest supporters of Hariri. Hostage and, and, situation yeah. for sure. Yeah, and but and, hostage, yeah. but by his own will. But, and right, this is the right. thing: is yeah, that yeah. Hariri's political comeback depended on that relationship. Yeah. But then when he he tried to do it, he realized he was getting screwed, mm. uh, and and it just didn't work, and that half worked uh, for a couple of years, and then the revolution came and it fell apart, uh, and now we're in that fall apart stage and. And uh, I I mean, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see whether this is the end for Hariri. To me, it seems like it really could be. Yeah. If we want to get back to the Daily Star issue, uh, I mean, it was yeah. I mean, I would say that the the, the, we have extremely bright people at the Daily Star, and the conditions at the Daily Star and just its its niche situation Mm. allows people to grow. uh, You know, because it's it's really it's the only English language newspaper in Beirut, but. It's also like a, a thing in the region you know it's in the Delhi SAs was uh, founded I think in 1956 or 1954 by, uh, it's an institution Blue by, by the yeah. Blu-Way family yeah. yeah. and and it's an institution uh, all of your Middle East correspondents around yes. the region and correspondents around the world have gone through the Daily Star and, and I think that's a lot to do with the particular particularity of it you're in Lebanon which is an area where there's a lot to report on sure. so it's great to begin your career here Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I'm speaking from personal experience here I started out at the Daily Star
1: and following 2005 yeah. it was a lot easier to express yourself exactly not just yeah. in the
0: Daily Star yeah. but in Lebanon in general yeah. for, for a very long while it was a good newspaper but basically since 2012 which is when the Hadidi people took over, uh, it's just kind of been, I mean, it's, it's had its moments, but there's there's always been delayed payments, as we know from all Hadiri institutions. Mm. Uh, and then, I mean, I have my own issues with the way the newspaper is managed and, and certain things like that, mm. you know, just, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, I, I think, what, what I'll say is that I think no journalist aspires to work at a publication that's funded by political money. But right. but you, but you accept it because I can say honestly that I I, I like ninety eight percent of the articles I wrote I actually wanted to write. Mm. I would say that more yeah. than seventy percent of the articles I wrote I actually pitched them. Okay, uh, and I was never really really never told to do something. And yeah. only a few occasions where I was told to do something that yeah. would you know to to make something more pro Hadiri. I refused. And when did you join Daily Star? How long ago? I joined. Uh, in 2017, I believe. It was July okay. 2017. Right, right, right. Yeah.
1: Okay. And I was
0: an intern there for seven months before. Mm-hmm. So I together, I, I was there for like three years in a bit. Um,
1: I know dozens yeah. of people that have worked or interned. Yeah, yeah. And, I, mean, I think there's, there's hundreds of people who have gone through the Daily Star. Yeah, and, and most and so of these are names that we follow and we sort of... But the Daily Star is
0: basically it feels like it is and I know there might be some miracle but it feels like it's dying a slow and undignified death I want to say Uh, something that is I mean I don't have
1: any relationship to the Daily Star other than I used to read it for news coverage but I I don't have a I have a bit of nostalgia for something, which is its survivability. Right, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like Lebanon
0: in the sense Absolutely. that you don't understand how it keeps going, but it does right. keep going. Especially now, I mean, really, you know, yeah. after the, the series of resignations at the news desk, I mean, they're really running on, like, seven people now mm. and mm. trying mm-hmm. to keep a newspaper up together. And really, those guys there at the newspaper, those, guys, those women and men at the newspaper, do a fantastic job and work under yeah. really high, high pressure yeah. and produce news that, like, is so useful for so many people. You know, everyone um, I know
1: that is tuned in yeah. abroad turns to the Daily Star, yeah, and yeah, they actually, right. I mean, frustratingly go through the paywall system. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it still has a an audience. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure, yeah. undeniably, and but because there's I, no alter- there's no real alternative to right. It.
0: Okay, so you, so you have yeah, your
1: blogs, but 100 they don't feel reputable. You know, the um, 2006 war, July 2006, yeah. uh, Daily Star used, was still coming with the Herald Tribune okay yeah. so you had the herald tribune sort of stuck inside yeah. so thick international paper mm. wrapped with the daily star yeah. on the outside and herald tribune wasn't coming in in the middle of the war daily star rather than halting rather than seizing production mm. if i'm not mistaken it was four pages okay or maybe six at most mm. and then it went down a bit so it Managed. You still had a, a paper. You had something being produced yeah, every day yeah. during the July War, and I liked that. No, no, and for I, sure. And I felt the need to buy it. Yeah. It's almost like I, I I owe something to the Daily Star for right. still publishing. Definitely. And I you know even if it is even if it is on its way out, it definitely symbolizes the roller coaster journey this country has been through, and that includes freedom of expression.
0: Mm.
1: Do you sense now in two thousand and twenty? that Lebanon is retaining its sort of its pride in journalism and integrity despite the odds it might be
0: regaining i regaining. think it's regaining, regaining because we went through i mean basically since and this is again this is cataloged by rights organizations including Smex. Uh, since Aoun came to power uh, with Hariri, mm. we've seen an incredible crackdown on freedom Absolutely. of speech. Yeah. Uh, it's really it's been three years of, uh, of uh, increasing crackdown on all kinds, yeah. not just journalism, but cultural, you yeah. know, expression. I mean, Mashur Leila was the latest one. <laughs> which, you know, again looking back, I think that that's like that's one of those moments where you're like. Of course, there's going to be a revolution. I mean, like, look at the—it's it, amazing because it it <laughs> proves the the two faced nature of you know when like people like Jebunanda it feels Seale, so far like it, long ago, but it's yeah. just a few months well, ago. You know, Lebanese yeah. politicians love to talk about the Lebanese diaspora who go abroad and they make it that they make themselves and they come back and. Yeah. Are famous around the world. They yeah. filled concert halls in from the region, any yani Masr, mm-hmm. M- Maghreb, Jordan, yeah. to uh, to York, the U.S., to, DC, to yeah, Europe, to yeah, sure. everywhere. Okay. They want to do a concert in <laughs> Biblos, in Biblos, and they're and they're prevented too because Silm Ahli. Yeah. You yeah. know, like this is the kind of. Incredible, uh, mm-hmm. you know, crackdown on freedom of expression that we have in this country, yeah. <clears throat> and no politician came to the support. On, on the contrary, politicians, including MP namat Freem, who now has said he's not with the FPM anymore, at that time yeah. he he v- very uh, he stood the stood in line with them and said, yeah, we can't have these guys in Jibed. So the point here is, I think there was a crackdown, but I think that the revolution, uh, the, this this incredible uprising. Uh, really, just like burst the doors open in a way. And and what what some people are saying now is that we may see a crackdown, and we have. I mean, you know, in the past couple of weeks, we've had a few people called to the cyber crimes bureau to be interrogated. Sure. Nidal Ayoub yeah. who's a yeah. big activist, and we had uh, Rabia Zain, I think, is his name. Um, but uh, but you so we so yeah. regaining, regaining. I, I
1: think th- 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 yeah,
0: because I I think that there's there's no moment like this moment to show how important independent journalism is, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we've had like a bunch of new publications come to the fore during the, I mean, we have the revolution newspapers, so yeah. 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 mm-hmm. uh, but we also have like the public source, which was just like launched yes. by Karim Shehyeb mm-hmm. and Nara Bitar uh, and a bunch of journalists was there. Beirut and
1: today uh, born out of the revolution? Uh, no, it was, was before. Before. Beir-
0: before. Beirut today is born out of 2015. Right, okay. So okay. Uh, but after it's 2015, sort of, but it's, yeah. it's part of that curve. Yeah, yeah. And obviously we have Megaphone, you yes, know, Megaphone, true. which began, I think, in 2017. Again, it was born out of yeah. 2015. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there for, for things to be regained, for new initiatives. I know that there's going to be exciting new initiatives that I can't really talk about now, but, like, uh-huh. I've been, like, uh-huh. uh, also in talks about, like, uh, starting up something new. I assume uh, that so. was happening in the background mm. because, I mean it would be very strange if it wasn't. Well, not at the time when I resigned from the daily star, but okay. afterwards yeah. sort of leaving the daily star, Yeah, uh, I didn't have like anything really prepared. Mm. Uh, I had my freelance gig with Al Jazeera. Yeah. I knew that I could write with Beirut today, you know, but like, right. it was not like, Oh, I've got this golden thing that I'm jumping to.
1: Yeah. But
0: there's a certain freedom in being free. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so like, you know, because like I went through life just like school, university work and never had a moment where I wasn't like employed or at at, at yeah, like an academic right. institution right. and so i just found myself from one day to the next with like hey i can do whatever i want yeah. and so that created the space to like talk to people and just consider like initiatives and i i really feel like now is fertile ground people really want like they want information given to them quick accountable and, and, you know, interesting and, and you know. so Tamer, what is the name of the next English newspaper that you're going to start? We don't know. No, it's not, not, I'll just say that there's, there might <laughs> be something cool and it's, it's, it's like a months long process. Sure.
1: Did you think of yourself as part of the story this last three and a half months that this was your time, that this was for your, sure. I okay. mean, this is the yeah. moment
0: like I think many people were waiting for Yeah.
1: journalists
0: and people. And you know, just average citizens. Um, I, yeah, I feel like everybody was waiting for it. Yeah, uh, we were. We were all. I mean, I don't think anybody saw it coming in the way that it right. did. Did arrive. Yeah. But no, for sure, I felt like this was like uh, a moment that like like no other. I felt uh, extremely happy to be covering it. Uh, And and a lot of it, I wasn't actually thinking, you know, sometimes events I feel just happen that sort of carry you and and you function just almost, it's not autopilot, but it's just like, this is what I'm doing now and that's it, you know, and you kind of just like, especially the first days, I mean, nobody was sleeping, you know, the first days you were sleeping like a few hours and, and just like. Uh, and, and so, yeah, no, 100%. I feel like this, I mean, this, it's, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It's a short life so far, but hey. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and also just like the most like, complex and interesting. And it's like, it's been the, I mean, yeah, it's been an adventure of a lifetime, honestly. I mean, who gets to experience a revolution in their, in their lives? Yeah. I couldn't
1: say it better than yeah. that. And I think a lot of us are lucky to have uh, been patient. For this mm. moment to happen. I think a lot of us had lost hope mm. that yes. this would ever happen in sure, our lifetime. Yeah. And it caught us off guard. Yeah. Which is a, it's it's a celebration. It's like it had restored hope in something. Something died on October 17, but it's something that maybe should have died. Mm. And there's something born in its place. And it may not look better in the short term. Yeah. It actually may look worse. We don't, it's still very early. How long it takes and where that yeah. sort of takes us. I think it's too. Early. There's the
0: line by Gramsci: uh, "The old world is dead, and the new world struggles to be born. Now is the time of monsters," uh, which which I think is a bit pessimistic. I wouldn't say no, now is the time of monsters, but but it, we're in that between space. Sure. We're in that between yeah. space where something is dead or is clearly. On life support yes. and going to die, it's a vegetable. The system is a vegetable now, yeah. uh, and and but the new thing isn't there yet, and so yeah, right. we're in that uncertain space. But it's a very interesting space. And, now, and but there's in
1: that uh, uncertain space, I like that for the most part we've talked about Lebanese issues and it's yeah. domestic. Yes, very yeah, very little, yeah, very little sure. international um, interference. Or interference, or for that matter. This is really just a truly local moment. Mm. And although it's shared the way you described, and yes. it a, yeah. there's a there's many revolts happening at once, but it is a domestic accountability story.
0: Yeah. It's just a uh, uh, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a rejection rejection of interference and it's and it's a thing of like focusing in on the protester. Just he- listen yeah, to Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean yeah. listen
1: to the protester is yeah. is I think the, the the best way to to go about it there. Yeah, You've yeah. done that, and you still do that, uh, and I look forward to whatever adventures you're doing in terms of side projects. Uh, if it's a paywall, make it easy. <laughs> okay, sure thing. You get a free subscription. Oh, that's... A, only that's the, only you. Only you. Only <laughs> that's, that's the kind of WOSTA I can't fight against. <laughs> <laughs> so, Timur, yeah. thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on.